Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast, sponsored by WebSpy. It's August 17th, 2009, and this is episode 203. Last week, I did my first Q&A podcast for a year, and actually had started out planning to answer questions from two listeners, but spent so much time answering the first one that I postponed today's answer by a week. It's great to get into these listeners' questions, though. So again, if you have any questions yourself, you can either post them via the contact form linked from pretty much all of the pages throughout my site at martinbaileyphotography.com or you can mail me with the address questions at martinbaileyphotography.com You can also drop me a line via Twitter, Flickr or Facebook as well. Links to all of these sites are also on my website. Before we jump into the main topic for today though, quick reminder that this show is brought to you by WebSpy, the internet monitoring, analysis and reporting specialist. Find out more about WebSpy's great products and to find out just basically what WebSpy are all about, go to webspy.com slash MBP and use the discount code MBPWSY for a 10% discount on all purchases. This week's questions are from Russell Haddock from Fort Worth, Texas. Thanks very much for your questions, Russell. And there are two questions basically regarding the signing of photographs. The first part is how do you create your signature that shows with all of your online photos? Is it just a Photoshop action that you've developed? Do you uh, do that on all photographs displayed or is this done in Lightroom? And the second part is how do you sign your photos for printing? Is this the same way as your digital versions? Firstly, with regards to the digital images that I share online, I apply the signature in Lightroom using a plugin that a guy called Timothy Arms created, and the plugin's called LR2Mogrify. I used to use a Photoshop action that I created, but I abandoned it as soon as I found that the LR2Mogrify plugin um, was available and does exactly what I want to do very easily. For signing my fine art prints, I actually do that by hand after I've created the print. I'm also working on a method to easily create boilerplate type titles for prints that I'll be included in small folios that I'm about to uh, release the details of. But I'll talk about that later once the cat is pretty much fully out of the bag. So to answer the first part of the question in more detail, basically... The signature that I use online is made up of two parts. There's a red Japanese stamp, like the ones that Japanese artists have applied to their paintings and scroll paintings uh, for centuries. And there's a handwritten copyright notice. The stamp is actually one of two, um, a small one and a large one that I own in the real world. And, you know, they're they're physical stamps that I use to apply uh, that stamp to my fine art prints. And we'll get to that a little bit later. All I did to digitize this, though, for the the digital watermark was to stamp a piece of paper and then let the red ink dry and scan it using a flatbed scanner. For the handwritten copyright notice, I just used, uh, I opened Photoshop and used the Wacom tablet to draw a copyright circle and then, um, you know, a circled C. And then I just 
did my sign that I used for my I used for my fine art print. It's actually a different signature to um, to how I sign things normally, but you know, it's uh, I've, I've got the the artiste signature in there, and then there's the there's the the normal Martin Bailey one that I use for writing checks and things like that. Uh, of course, you, you don't have to handwrite this. If you'd prefer to just type it in, use some fancy fonts and whatever, that's fine. You can do all of that in Photoshop and sort of just design your um, your signature as, as you want. If you want to handwrite one but don't have a tablet, you can just sign a piece of paper, scan that. Of course, if you don't have a scanner, then I think it's pretty safe to assume that if you're listening to this podcast, you've got a camera of some sort. So... You can just sort of place your artwork on a, a nice flat surface and make sure it's evenly lit and you know hopefully from the side because then you won't create a shadow yourself as you peer over to take the photo but then you know no shadows just get it get square onto it and just take a photo of it once you have your artwork digitized if you haven't sized it down for the web uh, just you know resize it uh, in Photoshop making the uh, resolution 72 dpi and size exactly to the size that you wanted in pixels uh, in in your final um, you know your final web sized images uh, and we'll get to why later um, and then you just save it as a psd a jpeg gif a png or tiff file and there are a few other formats that you can use but basically you need to save the image uh, in a format that Image Magic understands because Lightroom 2 Mogrify uses Image Magic to do all of its image manipulation. If you're a Mac user, you won't need to install Image Magic separately, but for Windows users, you do have to get a copy of Image Magic and install that before you can use the Mogrify plugin. There's a link to the Image Magic distributable on the Timothy Arms website, and it's a simple install. Uh, you just have to grab it separately and stick it in there. You do have to grab the path um, to the image magic executable file though and insert that into the Mogrify uh, dialog in Lightroom after you install the plugin. It's all documented very well though, so just take a look at the Mogrify instructions and get you know get all of that set up before you proceed um, to create your presets. Assuming that you've got um, all of the you know the Mogrify LR2 Mogrify setup, and you've done all of the other stuff that you want to do with the image that you want to export. Um, you know, once you've exported it, obviously the only way that you can change it is to um, you know to really go back to your original. You could change the JPEG or whatever you export as, but the best thing to do would be to go back to your original. So do all of that first, and. Um, you know, even then, if you if you don't want to do that, you don't want to use an image that you you've already got ready to export. Just you know, just for a test, use any old image, um, and then just uh, we'll you know we'll basically now talk through um, you know all of the little things, all of the parts of the LR2 Mogrify plugin that I use to export uh, images, and uh, you can use it to basically you know you do all of your resizing in there, your sharpening. And with a, a frame, you know, you can add your frame and the signature graphic, the watermark there, all of that uh, in one export. Um, there are other options in the Mogrify plugin, but let's just walk through the ones that I use today. And you can experiment with the others yourself. Um, and I'll, I'll mention briefly what they are as we get to it. Um, walking down the options in order that they appear in Lightroom 2.4, um, that's, you know, basically... As of today in August 2009, 
the latest version of Lightroom's 2.4. This may change in future. Um, and it obviously, depending on how far in the future you're listening to this, um, you know, the, there might not even be a Lightroom anymore. I doubt that, but, you know, you never know. Uh, basically, you know, assuming that you're using 2.4 or a version that hasn't changed significantly, uh, you'll need to select a place in, you know, what you, well, let's step, take a step back for a moment. You've, just to make sure that we're on the same page, right click and, you know, select to export your image um, from the, the pop-up menu or hit the, the export button in the bottom left of the window in Lightroom and then you've got the export dialog up. You'll need to in there first select the place, the location on your hard drive that you want to put a copy of the image. And I usually rename my images on import. Um, so, you know, I always just select to use the file name on export as well. But you can change it here if you want to. I select JPEG as the file format here and set the quality to 90. And, you know, I've, I've found that with 90, it's, it's, it's pretty good. There are very few artifacts. You can go down to 80 or so. But I've found that, you know, through tests with the Mogrify plugin and everything else that we do to it here, I find that 90 is about the best. Um, I then select the sRGB color space as I'm going to be exporting for the web. I do not use the Lightroom resizing or sharpening options here when exporting with the LR2 Mogrify um, plugin, as I just basically got better results with the Mogrify resizing and sharpening when I first tried it. And I've just never checked to see if Lightroom does a better job since. We'll set some resize and sharpening options in the Mogrify dialogues a few steps down. If you want to change the metadata options, you can do that next. And then we get to the Mogrify options. Now, the Mogrify plugin options are accessed through the post process actions section in the, the bottom left of the Lightroom export dialog. You double click on the um, on these you know the demography options to access them, and basically what that does is adds them to the right panel, um, you know at various sort of places. They're all grouped together, but uh, you know the next thing that will happen if you double click on some of these demography um, options, they'll they'll be the next things that you see, and basically so you know. When you click on anything, if you if you add anything, the first thing that will happen is not just um, that that option will be added, but also the Mogrify configuration panel will also be added to the right-hand pane as it's needed for everything else. You can't do anything unless you've got that, um, the, you know, the, the path and everything to the Mogrify um, executable for image magic. You can't do anything without that. So even if you don't select it first, the Mogrify configuration pane will get added. And um, after that, you know, you, your only thing you have to do in that pane is to, like I say, add the path to the ImageMagick Mogrify executable. And it tells you how to do that in the LR2 Mogrify instructions. Uh, once you've done this, you can hit the little arrow, um, the little downward uh, triangle um, in the, you know, in that, the, the Mogrify configuration section. And that, if you click on that, it'll just hide that because you don't need it again. Next, double click on the borders in the uh, the borders option in the post process action section. This is where we define the border that will go around the image. 
I personally add three borders, and I'll explain why. Uh, I also add a. What I'm going to do is I'll put a screenshot in the uh, the you know the show notes in the blog, uh, along with this transcript. So if you you know if you want to see what I'm talking about, just to get it, I'm not going to include a, a screenshot of every option. But there's three of the main sort of areas that we're looking at. I'll add a screenshot of that into the blog post. And it'll also be in the enhanced podcast that if you're looking on an iPod or in iTunes, then you'll be able to see these options there as well, just to get a better idea of what we're talking about. Basically, though, when you define the border, you can select color for the border, obviously, and then either a number of pixels, uh, you know, the, the the width of the width of each side of the border, or you can um, select a percentage of the width or the height of, of the uh, the image itself, and then that basically just gives you you know say you could do ten percent, and then even if you, it doesn't matter then what size you're exporting the image at, you'll always get ten percent of the of the size of the image. Um, I for my first border, I mean I generally use pixels because I know that I'm going to be exporting at the same size uh, with this uh, with this plugin. So for my first border, I select a mid-gray and then one pixel on all four sides. The reason I added this one pixel border is so that even if the image is predominantly white, you'll still get good separation between the image and the border. I also think it looks um, very slightly like the inside cut of a mat as you know so and that sort of you have to look a bit closely but uh, i think it looks a little bit like the uh, you know the inside sort of uh, cuts cut edge of a mat so I, I quite like that i then add a second border which is white and that's why we need the, the separation obviously if, if it's a predominantly white image and that is 28 pixels on the top and both sides and then it's 48 pixels on the bottom i've just made this uh, this frame a little bit smaller actually I I did emulate the exact proportions of my fine art prints but I found that you know the border especially on Flickr um this has been mentioned in the forum recently as well uh you know the a lot of white space there does make the image itself quite a lot smaller um I've still emulated my fine art prints with the with the stamp and the you know the handwritten signature but I've just sort of squeezed it in a little bit to make more room for the image um, so then, uh, you know, if you actually got on the same thing, if you look at my older images on the website, I haven't changed all of those yet. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll take a look at a new version later. Um, but you know, basically it's only my very newest uploads that have the, the new slightly, uh, thinner, sleeker, um, frame. And of course I've made the, uh, the bottom border larger here at 48 pixels because I need to house my signature water, watermark graphic. Finally, I add a third border that is the same as the first, which is a, a mid gray and just one pixel all the way around the image on all four sides. The reason for this last border is again to make the border as portable as possible. For example, I don't need this outer border on my current dock. Uh, background gallery but I might change that for a light colory gallery at some point and also Flickr has a white background so the outer border again helps to give some separation from the website's background color 
Once you define um, more than two borders, note that you have to use the little scroll buttons uh, in the border panel in Mogrify to see all of the uh, all of the borders. Next, double click the uh, the graphical watermark option in the panel, and I select uh, overlay watermark. And because I want it to go in the border, I don't select to add this before the border is applied. You have to add the path to the graphic file that you created earlier. Um, add that in there. Uh, you, you saved off a, a PDF or not PDF. Actually, you can use PDF, I believe. Uh, but you, you saved off a PSD or a, or a JPEG or something. Just add the path to that image in this panel. And then you can select the position that you'd like to add it. And I add my graphical watermark to the bottom right corner. You can resize the watermark if you want to here, but I prefer, um, as we mentioned earlier, I prefer to get the size right. Um, and if you're using, if you're always exporting the same size, then that's that's fine. Uh, but I just prefer to get that to the to the right size and don't do any resizing in the Mogrify plugin. And that's just going to really just to save me any additional processing time that I'd potentially have to to put up with if, say, I was doing hundreds of uh, exports at one time. I offset the border, um, sorry, the uh, offset the image from the border by 25 pixels horizontally and 12 pixels vertically, and that just basically moves the graphic away from the the very corner of the image of, of the border a little bit. You'll need to play with these uh, sizes yourself, of course, just to make sure that you get it uh, you get it exactly where you want it to. I do this because I, I like to line up the right side of the stamp with the right side of the image. Next, double-click the Resize Photo option and turn on the, uh, the Resize to Fit checkbox there. I use Fit Inside and select uh, 740 by 540 for the maximum image size of my image and that's actually 40 pixels each each on it you know wide and um height than my old one so that's, that's basically what i did re recently by reducing the size of the border and i resized the vertical images smaller than the uh, horizontal ones so that you know people don't have to scroll for vertical images I select to only resize if the photo is bigger and I select automatic for the resizing algorithm. I tried all of the different, the various algorithms in this pull down, but I found automatic to just, just do a great job in the end. I also turn on keep aspect ratio as I don't want the image to be squished up at all. Next, double click on the sharpening option and select unsharp mask. I select uh, one for the radius and sigma and 0 0.75 for the amount and zero for the threshold here in these sliders. Again, you can play with these here and see what you think, uh, but this should be a good place to start. That's all of the Mogrify options that I select, but then I also choose to show the files in Explorer and that's just one of the standard Lightroom uh, post-processing sort of panel options that you can that you can select there in the export dialog. You can use Mogrify to add text annotations as well and you can also use it to change the color space and saturation. I just use um, Lightroom to change the color space 
but I I don't use any of these uh, these features myself. You know the the color space or the saturation. Um, of course, the beauty of Lightroom is that you know all of what you've just done uh, can be saved as a preset. So once you've got this set up and you're happy with your border, run some tests, resize, play around with it, and then just click on the Add button below the preset um, pane on the left side of the export dialog and give your preset a useful name, something like Mogrify Frame with Signature, and then save it. Of course, the beauty of doing all of this during the Lightroom export is that you can also use the LR2 Mogrify plugin with other export plugins such as Jeffrey Friedel's Export to Flickr, which is another great one. That way, uh, what it means is you can, uh, you can create a preset that does everything that I just mentioned with regard to the border and adding the graphical watermark. But then you can set up the Export to Flickr plugin so that it uploads a copy of the files to Flickr at the same time in the export to Flickr plugin, you do have to tell it to save a copy locally if you want one, um, and then you know you can just upload the you know take take the copy that you saved to um, to to your hard drive and just use that for uploading to other online galleries that you might have, um, like like I do with you know with mine. I I also I put everything on Flickr these days as well, but I also still maintain my copper mine gallery over at martinbaileyphotography.com, and so. I want a second copy for that. Then, uh, you know, basically you can have uh, the plugin just upload your Flickr, um, your Flickrs with one export uh, preset, and it's got your frame on it. Everything's all in there. Remember too that uh, you don't have to open the export dialog once you have your preset set up. You can just right-click an image or even a batch of images and select the export preset from the pop-up menu. And you can, like I say, I mean, in anything that you can select in Lightroom, um, you know, with Control or whatever, I forget what it is for the Mac, or just use Shift to, you know, to to select a whole batch, and then uh, you know, no matter how many you have selected, just right click and export, and it's there away. So you know, really, just save time with large batches of images. Um, it'll do all of that in the background for you. I have noticed that with the LR2 Mogrify, you know, normally plugins can run simultaneously, but this one, I think it's something to do with how it accesses the um, image magic executable. But if you try to do multiple exports from Mogrify together, in, you know, simultaneously, it crashes. Um, so that's one thing that I'm I'm not overly thrilled about. Um, but you know, if you don't do it, if you don't do them simultaneously, it's great. I'll. I'll also now, you know, if you look at the the blog or in your your enhanced podcast, you'll also see now that I've I've just posted a an image, an example image of uh, you know of an image that I've exported with the settings that we just uh, spoke about. So, like I say, if you want to if you want to take a look at that, uh, the, you know, the image will be in the blog at blog.martinbaileyphotography.com, and it'll also be in the enhanced podcast. I don't have uh, a number for this shot yet, so I won't be calling that out. It's pretty much straight off the camera and not uploaded to my gallery yet. I just wanted to add, um, you know, at least one image here for us to, you know, to, to see what the frame looks like as it stands today. So that's how I add my digital signature to the images as of August 2009. No doubt it'll change at some point at least, um, but I, you know, I now have my entire library keyworded and 
you know, I've got tabs on all of the images that I've got online. So if I do make any big changes to the border, I can literally just run an, another export on the entire library and um, and then just sort of, you know, get all of the frames refreshed throughout with very little effort on my part. And that's, uh, that's of course, thanks to this, uh, to this great LR2 uh, Mogrify plugin. Now on to the second part of Russell's question, which is how do you sign your photos for printing? Is it the same way as your digital versions? And basically right now, it's the same as my digital versions, but I don't just apply the same border and uh, you know in in the computer and print the signature with with the image in digital form i actually stamp every fine art print with the physical stamp and sign it with a photograph's signature pen from a japanese company called sakura color uh, products corporation this is the best pen that i've found so far for signing satin or gloss papers and i actually have another set of pens with varying nib sizes um, for the various size prints that I do, but um, I, you know, I mainly I bought these just for the matte papers because the photograph signature pen uh, didn't work that well on matte. And I just tonight, as I checked uh, the the maker of this uh, this second type of pens that I have, it, I found that it's the same company. It's again Sakura Color Products Corporation. The first pen that I got um, for the gloss is an oil-based pen. But the, the others that I picked up, which are called Nouvelle uh, Pigma Graphic Pens, are they're a micro-pigment, water-based and permanent pen. Um, you can also sign the, uh, the matte or rag prints with a pencil, of course. Uh, pencils archival. Um, though you, you do have to be careful um, if you're going to be touching the print at all, uh, because pencil will smudge. Having said that, the uh, the red ink that I use for the the stamp actually dries like a red powder, and uh, you know the, I have two pads of this ink that I use, and one that's a really traditional one dries like a red powder, and so all of my prints that I use that on ship with an insert warning, um, and that the you know the new owner basically reads this, and it tells them just to not touch the face of the print as it may smudge. I don't like to spray anything onto the print. Um, there, there are these fixes that you can use, um, which I, I've not used. And so, you know, I, I basically just bank on people framing them and keeping them in a safe place uh, and, you know, so that they can't be touched. When I release the folios that I mentioned earlier, um, probably over the next month or so, I will not be using this stamp um, because, you know, one, one of the main reasons that I'm releasing these folios is to enable people to handle the prints. So I want to make them, uh, you know, well, basically take the risk of them being smudged away. Um, for now, uh, this is all that I do with my physical prints. Um, you know, I'm sorry, it's not uh, it's not any sexier than that. There's, you know, I don't do anything in the computer. It's all analog at this point. Um, I just sort of print them out with the border there, uh, as you know, the size I need it, and then just do it all analog. Um, fashion you know in the real world um i do use a little uh, set square thing that, that you know that again the japanese artists use for getting the, uh, the the angle right and everything um and i just line it up with the bottom uh, right hand corner of the the image on the white border um, but apart from that there's nothing else that i do i'll do another podcast at some point probably about the boilerplate that i'll be adding to my folio images 
but again that will be um, a little bit later after the cat is completely out of the bag on that one. So again, I hope that was of some use to some of you. Um, I didn't go into detail about how I used to do this in Photoshop as it would take a little bit too much time for one show and I think I actually spoke about this in a previous podcast as well, uh, although I can't find the transcript for that. And thanks very much for the great question, Russell. I hope that was helpful for you too. Once again, thanks to our sponsor, WebSpy. To find out more about WebSpy products, visit webspy.com mbp and use that MBPWSY code for a discount on anything you buy. You can find me on Twitter, Flickr and Facebook, as well as my blog and the photography forum. All links are accessible at the blog at blog.martinbaileyphotography.com. So swing by and check that out if you're interested. I'll be back next week with another Martin Bailey Photography podcast. But in the meantime, you just have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye. Martin Bailey Photography Podcast is a proud member of the Photocast Network. Find this and other great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. <laughs>